Kelly, you got real quiet this morning. Okay. You know, here's the thing. I, I, I'll confess. I'm going to ask you this morning. I, I was trying to get some references for sermons. You know, all pastors do that. They try to get references or things or quotes. And this last week, I, I was listening right before all the uh, <clears throat> elections yeah, to all the things that were being said. And a lot of them were making really great quotes. Weren't they great quotes from the Bible? So I was going to ask you to help me find these things in the Bible this morning. One of them that I heard was moderation in all things. Wait a minute. You don't, that's not in the Bible? Actually, it's from Aristotle. Isn't that interesting? Or, uh, let's see, to thine own self be true. You know what that is in the Bible? It's in Hamlet. Not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, here's one I love. I heard this a lot. God helps those who help themselves. It's from Aesop's Fables. Not in the Bible, is it? Or I love this one. This too shall pass. That's not in the Bible. Did you know that? It's actually a 10th century English poem by a lamenting mistral who had been fired by the king and was facing execution. <laughs> Our... Uh, Cleanliness is next to godliness. Poor Richard's almanac. Ben Franklin wrote that, just so you know. Now here's one. This may catch you. The lion shall lay down with the lamb. Huh? It's not what the Bible says. It says wolves lives, the wolves will live with the lamb. Uh, so it's a misquote. Here's another one. It's a misquoted a lot. Money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Here's one. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Yeah, it's in Matthew 7, uh, where we are today in Matthew 7, 12. This is actually a command that was given by Jesus. But you see what's going on here? The world always likes to have what we call at our house the grasshopper statements. Remember that old thing when, when he was, there were the, the Buddhist guy would say to his, his young Buddhist mentor, he would say, oh, yes, you know, footballs don't have feathers in the new moon, grasshopper. And everybody's going, oh, wow, what a great statement. Quote, finished by grasshopper. All these grasshopper philosophies are just pushed on us every day as if they're in, in, from the Bible, as if there are rules to live by. But we know that where our rules to live by come from, don't we? Yeah, from God's word. And that's where we need to go to be finding what they really are. You know what? Here's the thing. This, this very thing, this golden rule that we call it, you know, um, i got to tell you, that was actually claimed by about every other religion as if they invented it. Uh, the Wiccas claim that as theirs. The Benai, the Scientology, Buddhism, Islam, Confucianism, and a whole long list of a whole lot of others claimed that the golden rules are there. They're the one that made it. So, golly, that kind of messes me up, doesn't it? So Jesus says in 7.1, in Matthew 7.12, I'm sorry, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. So does this mean that Jesus is just echoing these other philosophies that came from earlier, before the, the Bible was actually written down? A lot of people would have you to believe that. It's not true, is it? You know, we just read this morning <clears throat> in Sunday school, John 1.1 1, 1 actually says in the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing that was made was not made by Him. And then you go down to verse 14, and it says, The Word walked among us. That's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus was there before any of these religions. He was actually the one who made them, the people who, who, who were actually made them because he's God. He's part of them. So, look, we've learned a lot of new things, I think, uh, and, and become more deeply informed in some things we already knew. In this study on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is the incarnate Son of God. And he's here to make the ultimate redemption to bring his children, God's creation, back to him. We also said that this morning, too, in Sunday school. We find, isn't it funny when we read God's word, we find all these truths, uh, and we don't have to be fooled by the world? Let me tell you what. You can know with complete confidence that Jesus is not copying any philosophies of the world. And we keep singing over and over again that this Sermon on the Mount from God himself, Jesus Christ preaching it, has a flow, and it's a purpose in that flow. We've been following it all the way from, from the beginning, and everything in here is tied together. All the other philosophies and the world religions, and, and um, it, they appear to say the same thing like this, but not in the same context as the Sermon on the Mount. You have to read the whole thing to know where we are and who Jesus is. I'm afraid that Christians too often read this without reading the whole sermon. They don't read the whole thing. This is one of those, another one of those placitis things, I'm afraid, placitis verses. They just nod their head in approval when they hear it. Sounds good to me. I've heard other people say it. Mm-hmm. I believe that we, we, all, we all have to, to hold up a standard to the world here, and you know what? We just hold this thing up, do unto others. They would have them do unto you and presto everybody will do good to each other right it ain't working not working at all is it to act, to understand God's word we have to listen to what he says <laughs> yeah in all of what he says so let's begin by look, first looking at Jesus whole statement listen what he says so in everything, do, uh, do to others what you would have them do to you. And he adds up at the end of that, for that sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, that is the summary of the law and the prophets, the whole object and the purpose of all the law and everything that people have said and preached. So what does he mean by that? We've got to be asking that question. I hope when you read your Bible, you, you can say that. What does he mean here? What is God telling me here? that I haven't heard before, that I haven't seen. Well, he's telling his listeners again how God's law has been completely misunderstood, misinterpreted, and mispreached. And remember the Pharisees? They're, in a, they're here in the crowd, and they're listening along with those who are being discipled. And back in chapter 5, Jesus addressed them directly, which he does several times here in Matthew. And when he spoke to them about the law with regard to things uh, like, like, remember, anger, lust, divorce, oaths, getting even, <laughs> all those things that, that Jesus was, was talking about. And he said, he began it with, you have heard it said, but I say. There's another I am, isn't it? There, you have heard it said, but I say. And he was giving us the right view of the law, which is what this has been about. 
And he's reminding us again right here that it has been messed up by the world's understanding and the world trying to apply it by their standards. You know, the world has embraced the, the, the words of this statement, but, but has looked at it as one of those rules of regulation that, that's issued kind of like a machine. You know, you do this, you do this, chunka, 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 and you do this and this, chunka, 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 and everything will come out right at the end, right? Chunka, chunka, chunka. Doesn't work. It won't work. God's law and God's rules are meant to keep us in line. And we should love it. We should enjoy it. You know, I've... Um, we're all sinners, aren't we? We all live in a fallen world. And you won't work, you know, to tell other people that, you know, this law is good for you. They're going to have to know the Lord, aren't they? That it's his law, and they're going to have to love it to follow him. You know, too many times we look at God's law as a thing, as a machine. And it's, it's not at all what it is. All you have to do is just follow these rules and follow the organization, boom, you're done. Um, you can't think of it as the body of rules. It's God himself keeping us in line. If we look at it just simply as a set of rules, we can't deviate. And life won't be perfect? Well, it won't. That's the wrong way to see the law. It's God's love. God's son giving us these rules and these laws. You know what? There's a reason why he said, why does the law tell us? You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie about people. What does all this really mean? It's, are we to treat them like they, we would have us to be treated? Or, or like, like government legislation, which we've seen a whole lot of them. You may see a whole lot more. It's made to control us by man's standards so that we're kept within our limits that's not it the whole purpose and the real spirit of the law uh, is that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves how are we going to love our neighbor as we love ourselves if we don't know the love of Christ if we don't know him and don't have his love you know we know how to love each other only if we love him first amen isn't that true because of who we are, these fallen sinners. It just won't work to tell somebody that we, that to love one another. So Jesus gives it to us in parts. He breaks it down so that we can see it in pieces. And um, he says, as you value your life, remember that the person in front of you in the grocery line <laughs> or the person in front of you in the traffic that, that in your life, they value their life too. You know, and we have to value them just like we value our own. You know, and if you're right, your your attitude is right, then you won't want to kill them like you wouldn't want them to kill you, because they value your life and you value yours, right? We have to learn that value of the life ours and theirs, and we have to think about them before we think about ourselves. Important thing is that you love them, you understand them, and care about their well-being just as much as you care about your own well-being. And this is the law of the prophets. It all comes down to that. So all of that detailed law in the Old Testament, you know, that we keep trying to go around, it's not out of touch. And um, it, it, 
are not applicable anymore just because we have a new covenant in Jesus Christ. We keep going to the new covenant. But i got to tell you, the old covenant is just, remember Jesus said, he said, I have come to abolish the law, have not come to abolish the law of the prophets, have come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth passes away, not a yoda and not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So when you read those stuffy old laws uh, that seem so archaic and look at them through the, you have to look at them through the golden rule. What are we really saying here? You have to put the other people first. Let me give you an example. In Deuteronomy, it says that um, if your neighbor's ox gets loose and he doesn't know it, he doesn't see it, you should go out and get it. So how do we apply that today? If you see an ox out here on Pulaski Highway, oh, no, that's not it, is it? But that is really how we take that and apply it to today, isn't it? If I see an ox out on Pulaski Highway, I'm calling somebody here. No. But if you see something that is your neighbor's and it's out of place, you should take it back to him. You should do something about it. If you see somebody hurting out there or something, that's, we need to put them first and go take care of them. Stop what we're doing. Hmm. The minute we stop realizing that the spirit of the law and the purpose of the law, we go hopelessly astray, don't we? From Jesus' love. That's Jesus' that's Jesus's take on it. That's what he gave us on it. You know, it's important 2,000 years ago to understand that, and it's just as important today that we understand we put them someone else first, not ourselves first. So you know what? That really is the problem, isn't it? How do we apply this in the 21st century? Here we are living in, in, an, in a, a culture that says, be all you can be. You know, you have to do everything for yourself. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That just doesn't work anyway. But, you know, you have to do it yourself for you, for your benefit, for your leisure, for your comfort. And that's how you're blessed, right? Hmm. Is it? People hear it, hear this 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 thing, and they say this golden rule, and they 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 praise it, and how wonderful, how great. But the tragedy is they don't implement it. The law was not meant to be praised, but to be practiced. We have to practice this, you know what? And here's the thing, folks: Jesus didn't preach this sermon for us to comment on it. Did you hear me? Jesus didn't preach this sermon so that you and I can give our opinion of it. That's not what it's here for at all. He preached it so that we would make it part of our lives. That's what all, these, all this is about. That's what his word is about. He tells us really explicitly in verses 24 and 26. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Um, we still are going to have a sermon about that. Our culture's like that, isn't it? It actually admires these words of Christ, uh, at least most of what he says, but they don't practice them. A lot of the political conversation going on these days, uh, 
will point to some version of the golden rule. I like the one one of them says, do unto them before they do unto you. And they're always trying to do things to, to, to uh, twist this around and make it sound right. The world all around them, the world's all around us is like that, isn't it? They take it and they manipulate and turn it and try to make it into something that you'll buy for your comfort, for your peace. So I want, I want to know, why do people turn away from practicing the golden rule? Why don't we practice it? Why don't we have that going on all around us? Why are there so many troubles and disputes and fights between nations and races and people and shoppers? <laughs> You've seen that already. I'm sure you had this week in classes and families. You know, why is there jealousy and fighting and all those things we really don't want to go around in life? What's the matter? Well, let me tell you what. The answer is theological. Now, hang on. I use that word, theological. And I know a lot of people, the first time they hear this theology thing, they either leave the room or they just turn off. They stop listening. <laughs> they stop. Yeah, that's a joke from our Sunday school class this morning. We, we learned the difference between hearing and listening. So, but a lot of people, when you use that term theology, they say they go the other way. And because they think theology is too complicated. You know, I, I love it. One of the, some of the pastors I meet with, one of them told him that one of his uh, people in his congregation told him that they um, liked the Sermon on the Mount so much because it was so simple, it was so direct, and it didn't have any theology in it. It was so simple. How wrong is that? A lot of people believe they have to do this to get instructions so they can tell people what to do, to hold the golden rule up for them, to see them get this intelligent training, and they'll recognize it and practice it forever. The problem with all that nice, formal, religious approach is that the golden rule has been confronting people for 2,000 years. And for 242 years in this country, we've been trying to make legislation built around the Bible, our biblical our men who tried to follow the Bible and the golden rule. We still aren't following it. And it's still not working, is it? Hmm. So answer is theological. What is the problem? You know what the problem is? Because we all put me first. Not me. Say me. Yeah. We put ourselves first, don't we? Instead of anybody else. Um that's why people hate the law. It's not really about them, is it? It doesn't like it a lot. As a matter of fact, people hate the law. The, the worldly nature in us is against God and is not subject to the law. So Paul tells us in Romans 8, 7, so it's absolutely useless to hold the law up before people like that. They, they hate the law. They don't want to hear about it. You know, I'll tell you, uh, like the grasshopper, you know, um, Statements, but when it comes to applying the laws of their life, they just don't do it. So the whole thing's boiled down to one thing self. Now, this is something we need to be thinking and doing. Our Lord tells us that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, but we don't. And uh, we don't even want to, want to because we love ourselves too much, don't we? Most people are entirely self centered. People don't think about anyone but themselves. It's true about all humans, even Christians, I'm afraid. We're all self-centered by nature. And, and, and here's the dilemma. 
we're so self-centered that we never realize that other people are the same way. They're thinking about themselves too. Because we never think about the other person. See that? It's kind of a vicious circle, isn't it? Who's going to break that circle? Who's going to break out of that and put someone else first? Anybody here? You got any takers willing to do that? Hurts sometimes, doesn't it? It really does hurt a lot of times when we do that. And here's the thing. We don't like God getting in the middle of it because he interferes. He interferes with what we're doing, the self the self grandizement, the self-building up. Man likes to think of himself as autonomous. I love that word. We use that a lot, don't we? We have whole I love it when a church says, Oh no, we're autonomous. No, we're not. We are not. I hope we are never an autonomous church body. We always want to be following Jesus Christ. He's the one that needs to be our leader, him and him only. So the failure of man to live and buy and keep the golden rule is that he's self-centered. Okay, that leads self-satisfaction, self-protection, self-concern. Woohoo! All those things, right? Building ourselves up. And that's when you hear about these things called my rights. Heard that a lot here this last week, didn't we? Mm -hmm. My personal rights. And then I, that means I'm entitled to certain things. I'm entitled to them. Let me tell you what, I'm not entitled to anything. How do you like that? I really don't have any rights. If Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, Amen. I don't have any rights. He's the only way I have anything that is right, isn't it? I know I'm smell that tar and feather heating up. So if it's about what I'm entitled to, and um, I'm entitled to, then I'm entitled to more. If someone else gets my entitlement or any kind of entitlement, then I need to get it too, right? And then I, he's entitled to more and I'm entitled to more. Wow, where's this going? That's where the fight starts, doesn't it? Because we've had our rights taken away. Or someone else has got more than we did. This sounds like a bunch of kids fighting in the sand pile, doesn't it? It really does. So how are we going to practice this golden rule in this culture? How can our attitude and our conduct ever be what our Lord tells us it should be here? Here's the answer. You want the answer? It's right here. But let me tell you what the answer is. You don't start with yourself. You know what? You don't even start with the other guy. You start with God. That's where you start. You go to him first. Not yourself. Okay, I'm sorry, Lord. You remember Jesus' greatest commandment? Oh, Jerry, Jerry's quoted that several times this week when I've been with him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second is like unto it, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, boy, myself just went from God to my neighbor. I am just slipped into third place, you know? It's kind of like when I got married. I knew that when I got married, I was going to be the head of the household, right? Uh-huh. Didn't work out. And then I started having kids. And every time I had a kid, I slipped down one more notch. You know, you just got, it happens, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah. Truth of the matter is, is that we got to have this golden rule in order too, don't we? We start with God, and then our neighbor, and then ourselves. When we turn from fighting, fighting with each other, and, and look at Him, and uh, we see His might and His power and His truth, and all that's right out there in front of us, then um, He alone is worthy of honor and he alone is worthy of praise it's him first amen do you do that i gotta ask you this do you do that every day when you get up in the morning you put him first you think about oh my gosh i got all this pain or i got this problem in front of me today and i got all this do you know what put put god first if you praise him first all that stuff slips down whoops sounds like we just got married no everything slips down doesn't it you put god first and then, and then you think about someone else, too, is in the same position that you are. You have to put them second. And then you put yourself. Then you can love them. If you love God first, then you can love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that right? And we do. We look at God and we see his unfathomable love. We see him as the great creator but the one who is God is love and he shows his love to us by dying for us sending his son to die for you and me to take away those sins so that we could be joined to him that's what his dying is all about isn't it Jesus said I came here so that we could be reconciled to God the father Jesus Christ died that's love folks that's real love that's how we should love here's the thing you can know that god loves us first and that he's going to give us good things so we love him that's how we began all this do you remember that let's tie this, this scripture right now back in we'll end here let's tie this scripture right back into what we said before listen to what he says beginning back up in verse 9 which of you if his son asks for bread will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish will give him a snake if you then Though you are evil, know how to, to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who, who ask him? So in everything, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets, the law and the prophets. Praise God, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us good things. As a loving father, someone who loves us. That's why Jesus put this golden rule right here where he did. He's saying that that's how God deals with us. That's how a loving father deals with us. So that, that's so that you'll know how to deal with your fellow men, mankind, your neighbors. So don't just look at the sin, but look beyond it. Look at them like I, Jesus is saying, look at them like I look at you in the light of what brought me here to you, to give my life to you, to give my love to you, for you to share. You know, we need to look at our neighbor like that, don't we? Let me tell you what, when you do, you're not going to have any problem applying the golden rule because you've been delivered from yourself from the sin that separates you from God. That's really what 
self is, isn't it? When we look at ourselves instead of God, something's gotten between us and God. And when it's self, hmm, we need to sacrifice that self and kill it, don't we? And then give it all to God and let him make a new creature in us. You'll be able to say with Paul from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. We get to see him through God's eyes, through the, through the, through the lens of the golden rule. You see everyone in a spiritual way. And it's only when we come to this and after having started with God and, and sin and self and others that we'd be able to implement and practice this golden rule to make it work the way he wants us to. You know what? That's what you and I are called to in Christ Jesus is to show him to everyone around us. And we can't do it without his love and without putting them before us, can we? won't work. We're to implement this golden rule, and we're to practice it. Not just say it's good. We're to do it. That's what we said last week, wasn't it? These things that we have before us, we are to act on. I don't mean that these are good works that we're doing to earn anything. We are to act on them because Christ told us to. They're his rules, and that's what he's given us so that we can live by them. And when we do, we show the whole world who he is living in us. And who we will become. Amen? I'm going to stop there. We'll, we'll come back and, and do more here this next week. But let me tell you something. If these are words that, you know, may, if you're someone here this morning and these words kind of maybe worked in you a little bit, give yourself to Christ. Sacrifice it. Luke 9.23, something that we, we, we keep bringing up, keeps coming up in our lives every day. He says, take up your cross. That's an instrument of death. Die to yourself daily Jesus says take up your cross daily and follow me and when we do then we're, we're killing ourselves aren't we crucifying ourselves and when he, we do that he raises up a new creature in us you become a new creature new creature in Christ and you know what his creation not ours <laughs> we become who he wants us to be if that's you hear that and that's, that's bothering you that's moving in you then you know what you need to turn to him. And when you do that, that means you're going to confess what you've been doing wrong. That's confessing your sins. Confessing them means turning them back to somewhere else, turning away from them. And when you turn, you turn to Jesus Christ. You turn to him and him only. And i got to tell you something, folks. Your life will change. You know, you may not be as have a great time. You may not be able to do you know, moon bounce to work or something. I don't know. But you're not going to have that kind of stuff going on. But one thing you will have is a joy in here that the world cannot take away. It's a joy that lasts forever. <laughs> and uh, it's because it's from Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for how, how precious your words are. And, Lord, how sometimes, Lord, forgive us. When we take your words and we just take them for granted, we, we, we've repeated them so much or we, they come out of our mouths without coming from our hearts, being filtered through our hearts. Or, or Lord, they come from directly from our heads to our mouth without coming through our spirit that you've given us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, I pray that these words we've heard this morning, that we can think about you first and others before us. Oh, Lord. It's you that we love. It's you that we follow. It's you, Lord, 
that we give our lives to, as we said earlier, Lord. We pour out our lives as offering to you, knowing, Lord, that you work all things for good for those who are called according to your purpose. And, Lord, we just who love you and are called according to your purpose. And, Lord, we love you. We know how to love you because you first loved us. Lord, you be honored and you be loved and you be known by everyone here, I pray, to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn. It's a response hymn. And I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this. And, and you know what? As we, we sing these, you know, I don't ever want us to get involved so hung up in, in liturgy. You know, this is the time to sing this hymn. I hope these words are, are something that you really know and you really, really mean something in your heart. We're going to sing just as I am. You're coming to, to the Lord and pouring yourself out before him. We not, sometimes we think of this as an invitation hymn. If you've never given your life to Christ, then I invite you to do that right now, to come down here and, uh, and, and, and give your heart to the Lord. And you have a lot of people here who rejoice with you. Or maybe you've, you, you've, you've drifted away and you need to come back to the Lord. But you know what? Come to him just as you are. I have no sound. Oh, no sound. Can you turn the sound up back there? Just as I am, we're going to sing that. We got Sam. Focus.